If you can hear the sound of my voice, then that is your first indication that you have arrived at Storytelling with Seth. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. This is episode number 67. And I'd like to thank you for joining me today. I'm broadcasting to you from the coast of California, sometimes sunny, sometimes cloudy. And wherever you're listening, at whatever time, I'd like to thank you for joining me for yet another episode. I don't know if you're going to hear it, but there in the distance is the low, mournful sound of a train horn, an indication of a journey to be taken, and one that I am happy to embark on with you today on my interview with Christina Duvarney. Christina is the creator and founder of the Beautiful Disaster clothing line, and the leader of a tribe that has formed around the identity of Beautiful Disaster, the mission it supports, believes, and represents daily, and the goals that have continued to challenge and inspire them to reach more women with a message, one that I'm happy to share with you here today. Please be aware, this is a unfiltered adult conversation there is some explicit language, and this episode is not intended for children. However, it does allow for a free-form exchange of ideas, unhindered, uninhibited. And through that, we have a rare, raw insight into what it took for one founder to take an idea, follow it through its evolutions, and arrive at the place where we find her during this interview. Striving forward, aware of the success, and always seeking to do more. Join me now for my conversation with Beautiful Disaster founder, Christina Duvarney. Stay tuned to the end for a little bit of extra insight. Let me just start off by saying, Christina, thank you so much for contacting me and letting me know about Beautiful Disaster, your mission, introducing me to the amazing Shelby, who is so great in connecting us, and yeah. having the opportunity to uh, sit down with you today. So thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me. I, I appreciate it. Shelby is fantastic. I love her so and she's uh, always connecting me with amazing people to um, just get the brand out there on a bigger scale. So I'm happy to be here with you. Wonderful. And what I love is that you've set us up for the great introduction of what is the brand? Tell us about Beautiful Disaster in a nutshell, in your own words, in the length of a novella. We've got all the time and you've got listeners eager and ready to hear. So Beautiful Disaster is a brand for women who have struggled hard and are rising from the ashes. These are for women who own their own story and every decision that they make along the way and that lean into the pain and run towards the fire so that they can rise just like the phoenix, uh, reborn and renewed. You know, the beautiful disaster takes no prisoners on her quest <laughs> to live with passion and purpose and um, you know, it's it's an identity. It's so much more than just clothing. Seth, you and I know nobody needs another black hoodie. Nobody no. needs another pair of black leggings. Um, but what the women in the Beautiful Disaster Tribe really need is confidence hanging in their closet, a reminder of self-acceptance that they can wear every single day. 
And that's what the Beautiful Disaster brand is in a nutshell. That's phenomenal. It's it's a powerful mission, and I have to imagine that it comes from uh, a very powerful place, uh, a place of understanding, of growth, of acknowledgement, of experience. And I was curious if you could introduce us to when and where Beautiful Disaster uh, started, not only as a company, but as an idea where its beginnings came from, and sort of walk us down the path from that, that initial moment to the gradual understanding and the beautiful disaster line that we're talking about today. Sure. Um, you know, much like a beautiful disaster or any woman in this tribe, um, the brand has had an evolution and it wasn't always what it is today, just like we aren't always who we are today. Um, we've, we've got to go through some things to grow into ourselves. And that's exactly what happened with Beautiful Disaster. Uh, we have failed more times than we can count. Um, the brand actually didn't even start out with the name Beautiful Disaster. When I was, you know, gosh, 20 years old and wanted to have my own clothing brand, I just wanted to have clothing that expressed who I was, and I couldn't find that hanging in any store. So when I'm 20 years old, you know, I'm outspoken and I'm cheeky and I don't want to hold my tongue. So the very first um, brand name that we had was Hanky Panky Apparel. So it was this very kind of flirty brand and I had no idea because I didn't know what the hell I was doing that there already was a hanky panky apparel <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah so I, I got this awesome cease and desist letter and I was like oh crap and that was how I first learned about trademarks <laughs> so, that's an introduction yeah I mean and that is what being an entrepreneur is about. You start right where you are and you figure shit out as you go. It's there's no real blueprint. You know, tw when I'm 20, you know, the Internet didn't have all of the information that it has today. So it was kind of a stumble and fall until you figure it out kind of thing. So we quickly changed the name to Good Girl, Bad Girl. Because no matter what, I wanted this brand to have that juxtaposition of good and bad, you know, whether that's how you feel that day, if you feel like a good girl or if you feel like a bad girl, or if things have happened to you in your life that are good or things have happened to you in your life that are bad. So we changed it to good girl, bad girl, and we used the acronym GGBG, and we really began to get successful I was a wardrobe stylist for VH1, and I was able to get the GGBG brand on some really well-known TV shows. That's amazing. And then I got a cease and desist. Oh, no. From, from BCBG. Oh, wow. Interesting. So all that was was what they called likeness. So because our name sounded like their name, they threatened to sue us. Well, we couldn't compete with BCBG, Max Azria, or whatever the name was, because they had gajillions of dollars, and we did not. Okay. So we came to another crossroads, and honest to goodness, 
we were having a conversation, my husband and I, he's the co-owner of our brand. We, we now have a third partner, but my husband and I were having a conversation and I just blurted out like all of this has just been such like a beautiful disaster because we had so much good come from it, but man, we just kept getting hit left and right with, you know, these different obstacles. And we kind of looked at each other and we were like, beautiful disaster. And then we were like, there's no way we could get that name because it was a song and it was something that people talked about all the time. So we went out and we hired ourselves the best attorney on the planet when it comes to fashion law. Third and, time's the charm. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we got it. And what it has turned into has been really incredible to watch because as the beautiful disaster brand went through its challenges, went through its failures, kept getting beat up, but kept standing up. It determined our purpose. And when we wrote our mission statement, that it is our mission to empower the beautifully broken and the perfectly imperfect with every thread of clothing that we have, um, it really came to life. And I think if we didn't go through everything that we went through, it wouldn't be the brand that it is today. Just like if we didn't go everything through everything we've been through as women, the beautiful disaster tribe wouldn't be what it is today. So it, it was kismet. Sounds like it was a really powerful set of experiences that you showed you the opportunity that was possible when you were working towards something you believed in and the challenges you faced when someone got there first, someone else was going to legally challenge the comparison or likeness of something. And that through that, uh, this natural progression brought you to the place you are now with a, a great line and uh, a mission statement that as you were describing, it sounds like it's built on the experience that it also wants to represent which is a really powerful experience. Yeah, 100%. And it's, you know, I think that's what really sets us apart as a brand is, you know, we were built brick by brick by failure. And, you know, the women that are our core tribe and our psychographic and our demographic, these women were built by failure as well. So it's it's really cool how it all has developed uh, into what it is today. And that, you know, hell hath no fury, like a woman on a mission. And I was on a mission to make sure that this, this dream and this passion um, came to fruition, but it changed along the way and it changed me along the way. And um, it all makes sense now, you know? I understand. I'm, I'm intrigued also because uh, looking back at its beginnings, you already knew at the age of 20, which is an age where I was hardly able to figure much out, let alone my next course load for college for the upcoming semester. You knew you wanted to start your own brand. You wanted to have your own clothing line. Had that been something that had been developing for so much time afterwards, or had it been uh, sort of an abrupt understanding occurrence realization for you had you always been designing clothes maybe at five with like your own mannequin or was it something as you got closer to 20 that you found yourself saying there's this idea or did you just wake up and it was like you know what I'm gonna do something and if I want to do something this is how I want it to be where did this you know idea for starting your own clothing line begin 
I've always been the girl that cut her clothes up and, you know, took something from a thrift store and made it into something different. So I always had, um, you know, a preference for customized clothing. And I think it just kind of developed. I think it was meant to be that that's where I would end up. Um, but I was also highly unemployable. <laughs> <laughs> Based on what uh, criteria do you, or were Based you just on, informed? <laughs> no, I, 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 I mean, I made it impossible to manage me. I, you know, my opinions always needed to be heard. I was very uncomfortable having quote unquote bosses. Um, I just couldn't stand not doing my own thing. And, you know, I, I really needed that outlet while I remained employed. You know, keep in mind, I remained em employed until just three years ago. So amazing. I sold cars. You know, I, I'm a salesman. I'm a salesman. I'm a salesperson um, from the core. Um, so I did everything I had to do to make money so that I could continue to work on what I really enjoyed doing, which was building a brand. Um, and it took a really, really long time to be able to finally free myself from the grips of employment and go all in with my company. You know, every dime I had just went right back into keeping it alive. And as it grew, it required more. Um, so I had to work harder and work smarter and make more money and continue to build this thing on nights and weekends um, until it finally afforded me the opportunity to only do this. And that was only three years ago. And and this, this beautiful disaster brand has been around 13 years. So it was 10 years of building it in the pockets of my life um, while having a job. That's a, uh, that's, that's probably a commitment that only some can understand. And I think those who do are either in the midst of doing it, have done it themselves or trying to get that started in their own lives. How can they build this dream that they have while trying to maintain the life that allows them to keep living, pay the bills and create some time for that, you know, personal project that can hopefully one day be where you've brought your project to you know, 10 yeah, years I, of work into three years of successful sustenance and being your only business. That's a, that's an impressive accomplishment. And the way you built it definitely shows tenacity. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I feel it's really important to get the message out there to, you know, starting entrepreneur, entrepreneurs, uh, dreaming entrepreneurs, mompreneurs, all of them that, you know, you can do this. It just doesn't happen fast. It doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, that's the story a lot of people don't get to hear is that, um, no, you don't just quit a job and jump into what you want to do and boom, all of a sudden you're successful. I mean, maybe that happens for some people, but I definitely don't think that that's the majority case. And I, I think it's a story that people need to hear more is that you, you really can do both. It's going to take some sacrifice. You know, we set up a booth at every show you could possibly think of for 10 years. I mean, we were at county fairs. We were at tattoo conventions, motorcycle shows, uh, rock shows, 
every show you could think of. So after working Monday through Friday, it was pack up the van and go to a show and set up shop for two full days, get home, go to sleep, go back to the office on Monday. So, you know, that's, that's the sweat equity that it takes to build a brand successfully if you don't have a bunch of money. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm thinking about how you said you always like to, you know, cut and change and modify your clothing. Do you remember the first time you did that? Was it a sweatshirt, t-shirt, pair of pants, shorts, uh, socks or a hat? Do you remember offhand what that first or one of the first articles of clothing you did that to where you were like, yep, this is a signature. This is, you know, I made this. I took whatever they gave me and I turned it into this. I'm fairly certain that I can't pinpoint the first one, but the one that sticks out in my memory was when Michael Jackson Thriller came out. Mm. My mom got me a t-shirt and the cassette. And I remember cutting up my Thriller shirt because I wanted it slashed. Like I got attacked from one of the, you know, zombies or something in the Thriller video. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was so cool. And I remember friends asking me if I could do that to their shirt. And I mean, I don't remember the exact year that Thriller came out, but I could not have been more than 10 Wow. And there you are getting approached by your friends who are like, hey, I like that shirt. Make one for me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever imagine after, you know, marking up, fixing, changing, putting your own expression on that T-shirt that you would find yourself here now talking about the business that began with this desire to make clothes your own? make them what fits you, uh, put your own personal touch on them. Uh, Was that ever an inkling even in that moment? No. Nope. It's amazing. No. From the time I could remember when anybody would ask me what I wanted to be when I grew up, all I said was rich. (laughs) And, And that's so important because I have a prosperity mindset and there's a lot of people that have a poverty mindset. And I am not afraid to talk about prosperity through purpose. It is okay for me to want to be rich. It is okay for me to want to be wealthy. Um, And there's a lot of people that are afraid to talk about that. And ever since I was young, I always knew I wanted to be rich. But something that I figured out along the way was you, you receive what you give and that it was imperative and important that I provide something for other people in order for me to receive the gifts of prosperity and wealth, you know? So it, it wasn't lottery mentality. Like I didn't think I was just going to get rich and win the lottery. I knew I had to work really, really hard at it and I'm still working really, really hard at it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I always knew I wanted to run my own show that I knew. Did I know it would be clothing? No, not in the moment, but looking back on my whole life, like you can kind of weave that together. And that's always a a great story to sort of realize, you know, at that moment when you were, you know, cutting up that shirt 
and then discovering what the impact it had on the people around you was. You couldn't see where you are now, but looking back from this place, you can see that moment and all the other moments that led up to now, which is a, a really great story when you have an opportunity to see where you've come from, what you've come through, and arrive to where you are now. And and the things that, that made that happen, made it possible, and, and sort of introduced this idea that at, at the time, as a kid, it, it would have seemed so unlikely, un, unfathomable, and yet... Unpredictable, yeah. Right, and yet at some point along the way, little pieces began building on that idea until you found yourself with a mission, and then the 13-year process to... Uh, conversation we're having today and I'm really intrigued because it also sounds like along the way you discovered not only the importance of investing in yourself which is the work you had to do in order to make beautiful disaster the clothing companies that came before it and the brand exists survive and thrive but also that along the way it wasn't just about investing money into yourself it was investing ideas and beliefs into the brand that you were building and informing that through all the discoveries and experiences you were having. Yes, absolutely. It also sounds like along the way, you've mentioned them a few times, but you've built a tribe. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. We have, um, you know, I was at Monster Jam Uh, a couple of weekends ago with my daughter and my husband and some friends of ours. And we were at angel stadium Mm. and at the the end of monster jam, they announced we had 40,000 people in attendance. And I had this moment and I looked around the whole stadium and I saw 40,000 people. And I realized that in just one private group alone, we have 86,000 women. And I had this moment where I was like, holy shit, like in one private group alone, we have this times two. We're like a freaking city. And (laughs) it was such an amazing moment of gratitude of how many women we really are of service to with the beautiful disaster tribe. So, you know, we have one private group with 86,000 plus women. We have another group that's a public group with 30,000 plus women. And, you know, we have, we have hundreds of thousands of women who have purchased our clothing and just those sheer numbers of women that connect with our brand and the story that we tell through this clothing is really something magical. It really is. I mean, when you put it into terms like that, the size of a city, and not a small city, mind you, uh, a pretty (laughs) decent-sized living area, and the number of people that would make it up, 86,000. Where did this group come from? How did their... What's the roots behind the tribe? Was it a few? Was it one? Was it... uh, Well... I'm sure you can describe it better than I can guess. Mm-hmm. Where where did the roots of your tribe begin? What what strengthened them? Where did these groups sort of develop out of it? Which came first and and how do you see them beginning from what they started as to where they are now? 
So uh, when we first got on Facebook, you know, we we originally were on MySpace. <laughs> when we first got on Facebook, um, we created our Facebook page, Beautiful Disaster Clothing. And I would say about a year later, uh, I created the private group. Um, and that was because Beautiful Disaster has always made it a priority to share stories of the women who identify as beautiful disasters. So we've had a blog for quite some time and women would write in and they would share their stories, sometimes anonymously, sometimes with a photo of them wearing beautiful disaster clothing. And I was getting so many emails of, I really want to share my story, but I can't do it on your blog. So I wanted to create a safe space for like-minded, beautiful disasters to be able to support and encourage one another through their stories. So we created the private group and it exploded and it continues to explode on a daily basis because it really has turned into a place where you can air your laundry. And for the most part, you won't get shit for it. You'll get support. <laughs> you'll get, I've been, I've been there and here's what I did. So you'll get experience, you'll get strength, you'll get advice, you'll get suggestions, you'll get, you know, um, pity if that's what you need. It, it just really developed into this like ecosystem completely organically. Wow. I don't and know if you know much about private groups, but you can't advertise them. Like there's no monetization. There's no, you know, you can't run ads to tell people to join. Like it, it, they breathe a life of their own. Yeah. And they're usually through introduction, invitation, and a connection with someone else who can introduce you to the yeah, group. Exactly. Um, you know, so the, the fact that there's so little public knowledge already about it, that you have to be invited or informed it's usually the only way to discover it, which means all of those people, 86,000 growing, were connecting with others, telling them about a place that they need to go, inviting them to join, um, yep. which is, you know, really amazing. Do you remember how quickly that growth occurred? Was it, you know, as you said, it exploded. Did it suddenly, you know, like start at an unbelievable amount over a month or two and then just, you know, expand beyond that? Were there a couple of big spurts because of uh, exposure or uh, some other causality? I would say it was pretty steady growth. Um, I want to say that the page has been, the group has been around for maybe five years. The first two years, I think we got to somewhere around maybe just shy of 20,000 and year three is a very pivotal moment. So three years ago, mm -hmm. um, we really, we just, all of a sudden people knew who we were. It's like we, we broke out, even though we'd been around for a really long time, you know, um, we started running more Facebook ads. We started doing um, a lot more uh, social media. You know, we just kind of ramped up our content delivery. Um, and as soon as that happened, everything changed. So the business itself from a sales perspective really went off the charts. 
the group started growing off the charts. So we went from about 20,000 to about 80,000 in a matter of 18 months. That's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, wow. Uh, What was that experience like from the inside, watching this all occur, you know, suddenly, you know, comparing your numbers and realizing how much more you were doing in production as well as sales? Surreal. (laughs) You know, um, (laughs) you know, there's tangible things that happen. For instance, you know, we packed every order out of a garage, you know, just just five years ago, just five years ago, we were packing orders out of a garage and then we needed a little warehouse. So we got a little warehouse that was, I don't know, probably 900 square feet, maybe a thousand square feet. And then that got a little too cramped. So then we got one that was like 2000 square feet. And then about 14 months ago, we moved into an 8,000 square foot facility. So to, to walk into those different locations, you know, over the course of the last five years really puts it into perspective and, you know, seeing the number of orders per day go up, the number of orders per month go up, seeing the number of women in the tribe, seeing how many stories I'm getting sent from the, from the beautiful disaster tribe for the blog. Like it's just been it's been incredible. I, I am so freaking grateful for all the growth, all the women who connect with our brand and who find something, who our brand just makes them feel a certain way. Like, I can't really put it into words how fantastic it all really is. Well, I think one of the nice things is in a lot of ways, you can actually turn some of that challenge talking about what it's like and and turn to the messages that are being shared, because I was really moved by what you said about how the first it sounds like one of the first reasons for starting the group was someone who had a story that they couldn't share on your blog. And yet your blog itself is full of some really powerful stories. These are not. They um, are amazing. These are not softball fluff pieces. These are some really honest stories. And I'm curious also where the uh, incentive to, I mean, one, a blog seems like a very natural approach for most businesses that are starting out to communicate their message, share their products, talk about their identity. But what you're doing here with your blog moves beyond that. Where did this evolution begin? Where did it occur? And, you know, where is sort of the tapping out part where the decision either is on the part of yourself or or the person who wants to communicate where the blog isn't the place because of a need for a more private environment like the group so when we originally first added the blog tab to bdrocks.com it was non-negotiable for me that these blog stories were going to be about real people I wasn't going to be a fashion blogger. I wasn't going to be sending clothes to, you know, this person and that person just to get some exposure. The whole basis and foundation of our brand is that we are imperfect. And we're really trying to disrupt the narrative of perfection because it just plain out doesn't exist. So 
it was a non-negotiable that we were going to let the tribes speak for themselves. So, you know, we would put out a couple posts on social media. Are you willing to share your story, you know, to be raw and real, to open up so that other women don't feel alone, so that they can connect with your story, so that they can be inspired by, you know, the fact that you're still standing on your two feet. Um, so it's always been a non-negotiable that this would be authentic, raw, and real. And when we kind of put that request out there, we were very pleasantly surprised at how many people said, you know, I've never shared my story before, but I've never thought about not sharing my story means that another person won't feel like they're not alone. Like it was just so well embraced by the customers and, and the women that wear beautiful disaster. And it just has taken a life on of its own. Certain people can't share for legal reasons. We have a lot of women in the tribe who have restraining orders or real court cases. Like there's some heavy shit that's going on and they have a safe space, you know, in the private group to be able to share their story. So the idea of who gets to put their publish their story and who doesn't, that's really up to them. It's really up to them. And it's a really powerful choice that you offer to them, uh, a decision about how public they want to be about their personal life, their personal experience, and what sort of exposure they want to put that through. Mm -hmm. and, and by giving them the choice of you have a public platform, which is through the blog, and then there's a private platform through the group. And mm -hmm. I want to keep in mind that this is probably really uh, important for anyone who's listening that might want to take advantage of either opportunity. And I don't want to do one of those. Well, let's wait till the end where we talk about all that. If you mm -hmm. wouldn't mind right now in the moment, how can someone make contact with the Facebook group? How can someone submit their story to beautiful disaster at bdrocks.com? How can they best make contact with you because they're listening right now and they might be saying to themselves, you know, I've got a story I want to share or I've got a story I can't share publicly. It would be great that I knew I had a safe space where I could go to. I want to give them a chance to kind of learn about that from you. Absolutely. So um, if you go to bdrocks.com, that's B-D-R-O-C-K-S.com, you will see a tab that says blog. At the top of that tab, um, it actually has a little button for the guidelines if you would like to submit your story. So all you have to do is click on that and then it gives you a little form and uh, you fill it out, you spill your guts, <laughs> you hit send. And um, you know what we always do as a thank you for anybody whose blog is published is we send them a free t-shirt or tank top as a thank you and we ask in return for a photo of them if they're willing um, wearing beautiful disaster so that um, you know we can put a, a face to the story if that's something that they're comfortable with and uh, if you go to our Facebook page which is um, you know facebook.com forward slash beautiful disaster clothing um, I believe so we the, the private group is is hidden, obviously, for a reason. Um, but I believe on the Facebook page, you can see the groups that we uh, recommend. And one would be Beautiful Disaster Tribe. That's the public group. 
And the other one would be beautiful disaster private group in which you have to request um, to be let in. Okay. Well, what's really great is now you've let them know both ways that they can choose to share their story. And yeah. also, if um, they fall into the option of not being comfortable or legally or for other reasons able to share it publicly, that they can do so in that private space, that safe space that um, you've been so thoughtful to create and has grown into a city, which is just a really great way to continue thinking about it. You've yeah. you've got a tribe, but you've also got a tribe that has built a virtual city. That's a community that, that rivals a lot of other causes, potentially less, uh, well, <laughs> less uh, <laughs> of quality, let's say. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of groups out there that can boast numerous numbers, but when you look at the content, you think to yourself, well, okay, but what are you really you know, asking them to commit to or be a part of? What you're offering right. here speaks to uh, a level of understanding that's shared by those who know someone who've gone through something, you know, uh, challenging, traumatic, terrible, um, beautiful, and yet still challenging, and yeah. and give them a place to let others know where they can go. Uh, and you've become a yeah. location, a destination for that. Yes. And it is important to note to Seth that the private group, you know, if you don't connect with the idea, you know, for your listener, if you don't connect with the idea of sharing your story, if you're not ready, if you're not there yet, it's still a place for you in the private group because reading the stories will help you understand that you're not alone. There will be commonalities in what you're seeing and what you're reading. You can read through the comments of support from the other beautiful disasters in the tribe, and you can still take away something from that group, even if you never post. You know, there's a lot of people in that group who aren't the most vocal, but I get private messages and emails all day long about how the group helped them. And, and maybe they never made a single post. So if there's a need for, you know, gosh, I just don't fit in. I don't feel like I, I don't feel like I'm surrounded by anybody that understands me or anybody that there's just nobody that gets me. We get you, even if you don't <laughs> feel comfortable sharing your story. Understood. And what's really important, I think, is that great distinction you made that it, it's not about if you're coming there with something to share. It's if you're coming there to find support and that support can be found just in listening to the stories and experiences of others, knowing yep. that, you know, through that you can share that understanding without having to share your story yet, because, yep. uh, you know, there's a power to the stories that we hear and we share. And the impact that can have can be just as powerful as the story we might eventually end up sharing. Um, yeah. It's actually one of the reasons why I decided to do this podcast and, and have interviews with people. I really feel that as much as I feel that there's a value and an importance and a need to share all the stories that can make that kind of impact, uh, I also believe that there's a need for that platform where others can go and find those stories and yeah. receive the experiences from it. It sounds like between the blog and this group, you've given both options available. And that's really something impressive to show after 13 years and after going through the challenges that you have. Looking at where you are now, um, is there a feeling that comes with sort of 
recognizing your accomplishments is there one that's a you know a recognition that goes with okay this means something to me for some people it can mean success accomplishment for others it can be you know, a milestone because there's a, a larger target further up ahead uh, from where you are now what what's the directions that you see yourself looking for beautiful disaster what do you take from this this tribe of 86,000 and where do you you see the next either milestone chapter or meaning behind uh, what this great group of uh, people have, have come to represent? You know, um, as far as milestones go, when we go out into the warehouse where we're packing orders, you know, sometimes we send out five, six, seven thousand orders a month. And we'll go out into the warehouse and help pack orders as owners infrequently, but we do do it. <laughs> we, we're very busy doing other things and we have a phenomenal, we have a phenomenal team uh, of all women, by the way, who are packing every order, folding every item, putting the labels on with care and moving boxes around. I mean, imagine an 8,000 square foot warehouse and it's all chicks. So we go out into the back and we'll pack orders and we often have these conversations about how every label we print. So this milestone is going to be unordinary. For me, the milestone is when I see that printer spitting out names like nobody's business. I mean, when it's just churning out names literally all day long, I think to myself, oh my God, like our brand touched every single one of those women in some way, shape or form. So the more labels we spit out, the more good I feel like we're doing. And that to me has been an incredible milestone is not packing the orders and shipping the orders and ooh, look how much money we're making. Packing the orders and shipping the orders and saying, ooh, look how many people's lives we're a part of. That's, That's an amazing milestone to recognize. <laughs> it is. And, and I, I, I see these moments, you know, throughout the day or week or month where I just have that that realization or it puts it in perspective. Um, but to be perfectly honest with you, we're just getting started. I mean, yes, we have hundreds of thousands of women that are in the beautiful disaster tribe, but there are millions that aren't. And it's it's it is our absolute goal to be of service to a hundred times more women who need the power of this brand and the power of these groups and the power of this tribe. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. And you've seen the growth from the back of a van to a garage to this 8,000 square foot warehouse. How much longer do you think that warehouse can hold you before it used to <laughs> well, be a I'm new step? <laughs> I'm looking out the window as we speak, and, um, you know, we probably have hopefully another year here, um, and then we'll we'll try to get the one next door. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the approach. It's, you know, use what works in the moment, look ahead, and deal with that problem as we need to when we get there. Do you, uh, do you have any sort of uh, other sort of avenues you're looking at? Because 
you've been slowly developing this through your exposure in a lot of public events. Do you still find yourselves with booths at numerous events? Should people be looking for you at some upcoming big, small uh, places where they can know, hey, not only did I hear this great conversation, I can engage with the website, but I also know that they're going to be around, maybe in my area. How far do you guys sort of make your physical presence known if that's still something you're doing? Where can people find you maybe in the next couple months? It's not something that we still do. And it's not because we don't want to. It's sheerly because we can't leave. You know, a lot of these events are three, four day events. And then you have travel time getting there and travel time getting back. And we just we just can't afford to slow down production and um, fulfillment for go leaving and you know taking inventory and going to these events but it is something that we have in development you know we're we're thinking of a road a road team so that we can get back on those circuits um the last big show we did was aftershock in sacramento and it was fantastic and there's just nothing better than seeing everybody face to face unfortunately you know i can't get out to these shows like like I used to, um, but we do have some wheels spinning on how to have uh, more ground presence, and um, we have a lot of big dreams. You know, we we want to do we want a beautiful disaster tour bus that travels all across the country, and we put out a post that says, "Hey, we're going to be in Pittsburgh. Like, come meet us. We're going to be here. We're going to be there." We also have some plans uh, preliminarily in place right now for a beautiful disaster convention where we can invite everybody and we can have powerful speakers and we can just all be together. So there's so much in the works. (laughs) Wow. Sounds like some really great stages of development for plans for expansion, some huge opportunities. Um, I'm curious to hear more. I would love to follow up with you in the future when that convention's announced and we could talk about, you know, where you're at, who's going to be there and and what sort of like a goal might be behind taking beautiful disaster from the clothing and the blog and the Facebook group and the things that built it, which were these smaller public appearances to this bigger appearance. That's not you guys at someone's event, but hosting your own event. I think that would be a really great conversation to follow up with you on. So please don't hesitate to let me and everyone else know when that's going to be coming up. I think that would be a lot of fun. I definitely will. And if you ask the beautiful disaster tribe, it can't happen soon enough. They've been, (laughs) they've been yelling at me for a, for a meetup or a convention of, of some sort for quite some time. But, you know, we're, we're in, we're still in a really massive growth stage and there's a lot of moving parts and it's, it's really just timing. So it understood. Is, it's on the list. <laughs> it, it, uh, it will happen. I just don't know when exactly. Okay. Well, maybe if you wouldn't mind, because I can imagine that trying to talk about the transitions you're in right now can be very difficult with so many moving pieces and parts and so much about, you know, it feels like so often there are ideas. I always love that great quote from an old movie where uh, someone says, you know, there was this idea once, but it was so fragile. You could only whisper if you talked about it. Otherwise, it seemed like it was so unlikely. 
Um, and that's how it can seem with some of these ideas you're working in now. But you already went through a really interesting transition, as I think about it, from that time when you were going out regularly to events, spending your weekends doing that, to when you had to pull back from that and start investing in this all-woman team that you have doing all of the production side. Can you tell me about that transition? How long did it take over? How many women started out uh, the team and what you've expanded to since? Sure. Well, um, you know, five years ago or so, three, three, four, five years ago, you know, it was myself and my husband. And then um, we've had the same graphic designer this whole time. So for all 13 years, this wonderful woman by the name of Jamie Vine has always done all of the graphics for the website, for social media, for all of our designs. I mean, emails, you name it. She's always been our, our graphic artist. And three years ago, she called me and she said, I'm no longer at the doing, you know, the contract work that I was doing. And I am obsessed with the brand. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm here for you. I have more availability. I can do as much as you want me to do. And my husband and I had a conversation and we just said, let's make her a partner. So we offered her equity and she came on board so that now made us a trio. <laughs> so it was just my husband and I for all those years. And then Jamie came on board um, officially and we became a trio. That's when we had, you know, the 900 to 1,000 square foot facility. Things started picking up and we found ourselves having less time. And we thought, gosh, we really need to hire someone. So we hired our first warehouse bunny. That's what we call them, warehouse bunnies. Okay. And um, that's right when we moved to the second location that was like 2,000 square feet. When we were in that second location, things started to pop. And we ended up hiring two additional um, warehouse bunnies. So now we had three warehouse bunnies and three owners in 2,000 square feet with boxes and packing orders. And everybody was running into each other. So that's when we moved here to the 8,000 square foot facility where we hired another three warehouse bunnies plus a customer service um, representative. And we have Shelby, our tribe relations coordinator. She actually works offsite. She's in Pennsylvania. Um, and we, there's no signs of stopping. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm, I'm curious. Well, one, thank you, because I, at some point I wanted to move into when the, the partnership expanded. So that was a great introduction about um, how JD joined the team and, and how she became your 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 third member of the trio now and how you were able to take advantage of the fact that she was no longer doing contract work, had more to give and wanted to invest it in you. And after 13 years, she wasn't looking for a new place to go. She was trying to figure out how to do more. Yeah. We've always, I mean, going all the way back, you know, to the beginning, we always would say one day, this is all we're going to do. Like one day we're just going to work on this all day, every day, not have any other jobs, not worry about, you know, where the money's going to come from. And we're just going to get to go all in on this. We had those conversations on a monthly basis for a dozen years. So the moment that we were actually able to make it happen was, it was, surreal it was like pinch me you know we're really gonna do this <laughs> <laughs> and then you know through that was the decision to expand and you know get your first bunny which turned into three 
which makes me think of the term bunnies as in they multiply so quickly, but without <laughs> just, huh? That's hilarious. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So I was wondering if that was the definition or the reasoning behind calling them bunnies is you're starting with one and you plan on them multiplying or they will be multiplying or something like that. Oh, they're just adorable. So we just always okay. call them, we just always call them bunnies, and and we have a funny little thing here. Everybody's a Lou, so everybody has a middle name. Well, not everybody, but most people have middle names. But when you're at Beautiful Disaster, your middle name is Lou. So we have Cindy Lou, Savvy Lou, Shelly Lou, Jamie Lou. They call me Christina Lou. Everybody's a Lou. So it's just I can't describe to you, Seth, what it's like to work for Beautiful Disaster. Like. I would love to bring in a bunny and let them tell you what it's like to work a beautiful disaster because we are legitimately a family of best friends. And I never really saw myself as a boss. I still don't see myself as a boss. But when we sit down with them and they say, they cry, thanking us for giving them the opportunity to work here because it's like no other place they've ever worked. They truly, truly love to come here every single day. And it's the most amazing thing ever. So I think bunnies really is a term of endearment. That's really wonderful. And I can honestly say there's only been one or two places where I worked for someone else where I thought to myself, I really want to keep coming back here every day. And I was <laughs> I was sad to leave it when when the time came that, you know, I needed to move on to the next opportunity or something like that. But what you're talking about, your community, I mean, part of me is questioning whether or not I need to, you know, I, you know, worry about my own gender, or just send you a contract proposal because, hey, it sounds like a beautiful place to do work with, too. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm sure that plenty of people are listening are going. I wonder if I can do that. Let's say <laughs> someone did want to become a bunny, did want it in some way connect with you and say, I, I have more to give. And I feel like you have a message and a purpose. Um, what's the best way they should contact you to see what they can offer and, and how that can be a, a part of Beautiful Disaster, either as a just a uh, supporter, a cheerleader, a vocal, uh, you know, someone who shares the message, someone who wants to join the bunny team, anything along those lines. Let's say someone really wants to be a part of sharing the beautiful disaster message? How can they make contact with you and, and see what role they might be able to take on or, or participate in? I read every single email and I am 100% open to anybody emailing me about any ideas or opportunities. My email address is Christina, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A at bdrocks.com. Uh, while we are not currently hiring for bunnies right now, we tend to uh, grow quickly. <laughs> so um, you never know when an opportunity might pop up. We're always happy to have, um, you know, organic brand ambassadors, women who love this tribe and wear the clothes and, you know, share their posts and tag us and we repost Um Please, anybody who uh, wants to find out more about any opportunities to help spread the word, share your story, you know, shoot me an email. I read every single one of them. That's really great. Thank you for that. I, I'm very certain that that anyone who just heard that opportunity and has a message they want to share or wants to make contact with you about sharing your message is going to love the fact that they have so many ways to do it, whether it's through the Facebook group, 
whether it's through the website, whether it's through emailing you and letting you know why they've been moved to make contact with you. And given all the different things I've been hearing, I can imagine all the reasons why. I'm curious also, uh, just because I didn't want to pass it up, you know, when you brought on your third partner, it was because they felt they had more to give. They wanted to do more. What did that translate to when you went from being a duo to a trio? What was that new influx like after it was uh, no longer just about contract graphic work? So when we decided to make Jamie a partner, we also decided that it was time for me to step away from my other job. So my husband, Tori, was the one that um, was full time with the brand because he was, you know, packing the boxes, moving the boxes, packing the orders. And and it made sense for him to be the manpower behind the brand at that level. Uh, when the opportunity arose with Jamie for us to make her a partner, um, we really had a deep conversation of, OK, we think this is the time to go all in. So I'll never forget uh, walking away from a high six-figure job, sliding the keys to a paid-for Audi across the table, and saying, peace, <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> and and it story. was <laughs> the most liberating, unbelievable feeling in the world. And I loved the people that I worked with. But I loved this brand more and it was time and it, it was just we were ready to take the risk. You know, if Jamie was willing to go all in, I had to be willing to go all in. And so we did. We jumped, Seth, and that net appeared just like everybody said it would. Um, we now kick ourselves like, why did we wait so long <laughs> to jump? But but no regrets. You know, we we. We grew slower than we probably would have, but we grew smarter um, than we probably would have. You know, um, jumping in with both feet, we had to get scrappy. And I, I love that. I'm a scrappy kind of girl. And um, it has been unbelievable. You know, the three of us spend a lot of time together. I mean, I work with my husband. I live with my husband. We raise a daughter together. And, and I can honestly tell you, I swear, and it's going to sound crazy, like, not one fight. We don't argue. We have our disagreements. We all make sure that we hear each other. Um, but we are all equals. And the moment that we decided this is it, we're going all in, I can almost show you on a graph what happened to sales, business, engagement, uh, reach, frequency, tribe members, all of it happened at the same time because we decided we decided it was worth it and it was time and was there an, any adjustment for you from that moment that you passed the keys and you know walked away thinking to yourself i know what i'm doing or something similar to that and then was it the next day that you were at the office was there a, a bit of a pause in between or had you already been building everything up so that, you know, one day it was turning oh, yeah. in the keys and the next day it was turning on the computer and, and starting up? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would get home from said job and be on the computer working on Beautiful Disaster. Like, I, you know, on my breaks, I would work on Beautiful Disaster. Like, it was all happening simultaneously. 
the biggest change that happened, you know, from day one was, oh my God, like, I don't have to ask anybody if it's okay if I do this. Like, it, <laughs> it was really letting go of like that employee mentality. Like, that was the biggest adjustment of like, oh my God, like, I can literally come in sweatpants and a t-shirt and my hair thrown up and like, just do me. The biggest change really came from my habits and behaviors and insecurities that came with being an employee. Um, but that didn't last long. <laughs> I got real cozy real quick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can imagine. And yet at the same time, I'm also wondering what just such a sense of relief and realization that must have been for you because from the beginning the last thing you wanted to be was an employee for somebody yeah. else and yeah. you finally reached that place where you're there you know that that kind of arrived feeling that I've heard talked about yeah. in some stories you know it's like yeah you've arrived now what and it sounds I, like I, for you <laughs> I can describe it as jumping back into myself mm. Like there was a part of me that was outside of myself and I got to jump right back into my body. Like truly it was liberating. Doesn't even, you know, cut it as far as a description. It was, I just felt so much joy and gratitude and freedom and identity. You know, I just, I jumped right back into my true self and that was pretty awesome. That is, I think, the dream of just about anyone who owns their own business and at some point wants to be their own boss or is dreaming of uh, starting their own business. I have a confession. My wife owns her own business. She has for uh, goodness now about, I want to say about the last eight years. She used to work in a salon and she pressed out on her own and became a colorist and created her own identity. And I remember the inspiration for it was seeing a girlfriend of hers who also had done the same. And after seeing her, she came back to me and she said, you know, she was wearing sweats with some kind of stain on them and her shirt was a mess. Her hair was up and kind of a, a mess too, but she was working. And I want to be able to do that on the days where I just need to work and not worry about how I look for somebody else or anything else like that. And uh, I was just reminded of that, that sort of sense of, feeling herself when she did do that and knowing yeah. that sometimes she would say, you know, I know who my clients are and they know who I am. And today this is who I am. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, it's very freeing. And I, I so wish that for everyone. I, I truly do. You know, it's. And now we're going to take a quick break to pay some bills with this word from our sponsor. It's a dream of mine that one day when we pass the torch of the beautiful disaster brand to, you know, somebody who can do this bigger and better than us, because that's the only way we would ever pass the torch, mm -hmm. that I can teach women, whether they're from this tribe or not, how to do what I've done, how to work on your passion in the pockets of your life and eventually jump back inside of yourself. I love that idea. Work on your passion in the pockets of your life. Coin that. Put that somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, copyright it. What have you included in a in a post? Because I think that's something a lot of people um, would would also love to know that they can accomplish. 
you know, and, until that day comes that you have a chance to step away and give it to someone who can take it bigger because, you know, that's where the realization comes from or that you have a chance for another avenue that allows you to teach what you've learned. For those who are saying, yeah, but Christina, I'm here now and I'm listening to you and I've loved everything about the story, but, you know, there's something I need to be able to walk away from this for myself, which is knowing how can I do what you did, you know, without without knowing my product, without knowing you know, my personal goals, but knowing that I want to at some point have my business, have something that represents who I am, be my own boss. Um, mm -hmm. How can they start on them on that for themselves, knowing that until you start teaching classes, it's going to be really hard to get this amazing insight, except for listen to this over and over mm -hmm. again and hope they can take enough notes, but also, you know, set themselves on that path where they can make the same discoveries you did know that there's risks involved and know that that's going to help inform them become the brand they're they're striving to uh realize or bring into reality i mean first and foremost seth right now is the most incredible time that has ever existed in all of creation okay there are so many more resources available now than were available to me 13 years ago with being able to self-educate through books, online courses, podcasts, just like this. Like this didn't exist. I didn't get to look up a how do I become an entrepreneur podcast and put all these tips and tricks and tools in my toolbox. Like for anybody who has this idea or this passion and they don't know where to start, first of all, just fucking start. Okay. Just start <laughs> because procrastination is your worst enemy. Cause if you don't do it, somebody else will. And, and with the resources that are available, you can learn almost anything, you know, and just start right where you are. If you have an idea for a business, you just heard my story about trademarks. How do I do a trademark? Start there. Like, you know, just about anything. Um, but what you have to know is that there's some ingredients to being an entrepreneur that if you don't have these ingredients, uh, I'd be hard pressed to say that that entrepreneurial ventures are for you. One of those is grit. Like if you don't have grit, you probably shouldn't be in this game. If you don't have a level of risk taking, if you have more worry and more doubt and more fear in your life and you let that dim your light, this might not be for you. So I would start with a major self-evaluation of who you are and what you want to do and why you want to do it. You know, the why behind everything is truly what is going to sustain your passion. If your why is, I just want to be rich, that's not good enough. You have to go so deep on your level. Uh, Dean Graziosi and Tony Robbins talk about seven levels of why. So if I were to ask you, Seth, right now, you know, why do you do what you do? You would give me an answer. Mm -hmm. And I would ask you why. To that answer, you'd give me another answer. I'd ask you why to that answer. 
and you go seven levels. That's how you get to your real why. Hmm. So for anybody who wants to start, first you got to go inside. Start with yourself. Why am I doing this? What am I doing? What's my vision? And do I have the chops? And if you make it through that process, start Googling. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's all there. There's no excuses. The resources are unlimited. And yet you didn't have those resources. You had to be resourceful. You had to find ways to work around it. Um, maybe to help people understand that it's possible, aside from, you know, coming up against the, the trademark wall, was there a great example that you think of when you were in the middle of it going, you know, if I ever get to tell this story about how I got to where I am, this is one of those stories about how, you know, you, you pull it together, whether it's, uh, you know, yarn and baling wire or you know, silly string and some paper clips. If you have to put it together, you put it together. Was there a moment during uh, the the, susten the sustenance, the creation, any part during Beautiful Disaster where you were like, hey, this is where we're just making it happen. And this is one of those things that I would point to to somebody like you might not have the resources available or know where they are. And yet at the same time, you have to be resourceful. Yeah, you got to be scrappy. And Seth, there's countless, <laughs> countless <laughs> times. I mean, I can remember, um, you know, just one example. We got a phone call from Hustler, right? Hustler has, at the time, had stores all across the nation. Hustler, mm. you know, gives us a call or an email or whatever it was at that time. Hey, we'd like to see your line. Can you send me some line sheets? We all went, what the frick is a line sheet? What <laughs> is a line sheet? For anybody listening yeah. going, oh. <laughs> uh, so a line sheet is basically a fancy word for a catalog or a pamphlet of your designs along with an order form. So, but they couldn't just you know, say that. <laughs> yeah, right. No, it's a line sheet, which makes sense. It's a sheet that represents your line, which means it's a catalog. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like... Yeah, and it was, you know, can you meet us next week on Wednesday at the Larry Flynn, uh, you know, building in Hollywood? Well, of course we can. You know, immediately we're like, oh, shit. Like, we got to come up with a line sheet. We got to create this whole thing. We got to make uh, order form. We got to get like a rolling rack. And here we are, right? We didn't have any of that stuff. Would, did they know that? Nope. nope. So we had to get real scrappy. Thank God for Jamie Vine. You know, she's she's an unbelievable. She's a freaking artistic ninja. And boy, I tell you, we had some awesome line sheets. We had an incredible order form. We walked in there. We presented our line. We presented what our line meant. And they wrote an order right there on the spot. And we didn't know what the frick we were doing. <laughs> But you found a way. You, you made it you just work. Do. Yeah. You just figure it out. Like, And that was another one of the ingredients of being an entrepreneur. You really have to have the ability without fear to figure it out as you go. You, you are going to arrive to so many destinations where you're lost. And if you are overwhelmed or riddled with anxiety or riddled with fear and you can't then that's not the place for you because you you have to be able to just get scrappy and figure it out as you go. There is no blueprint. 
So as much as you have resources, you're never going to find an exact checklist or an exact to-do list um, for your journey. And I, it's kind of exhilarating, you know, to somebody like me that you don't have to know. <laughs> you can just figure it out when you get there. And we still do that to this day. Every single day we have something we have to figure out. And you just figure it out as you go. Mm. Uh, it reminds me, I was really lucky for a time to take a series of Pilates classes and they would have you do a pose and then they would say, okay, now go deeper and find the place where you're uncomfortable. Good. Right. That's where you're going to get stronger. And I was really thinking of that when you were describing that situation, because it sounds like you also have to get used to being uncomfortable in situations and figuring out one, what that feels like and getting used to it and then learning how to solve what's making you uncomfortable and how to come up with a, a solution. Because as you just point out, there there won't be a blueprint for your experience. There won't be a blueprint yeah. for your your mission, your product, or the, the channel or route path that you have to take to do it. But there will be a point where you have to rely on what you've learned, what you know, and what you're able to do and use that to the best of your ability if you want to keep trying, if you want to keep working at it, if you want to even give yourself the opportunity to be successful. Yeah. And, you know, for anybody who's listening to this that, you know, is like, okay, I really like this. I, I'm feeling motivated. I, I think I should go for my dream. I should go for my passion. And then we just hit that part and you're like, oh crap, like I do get scared. I do get overwhelmed. That does make me anxious. Um, I'm not real comfortable with figuring it out as I go. That's where your team comes into play. So obviously this far into the podcast, you guys know that we have a trio. There's three of us. I am a, an enormous risk taker. I'm very decisive. Um, I will jump into the hottest frying pan you could potentially give me. Tori is the voice of reason. He reels me in. Hang on. Let's talk about this. Let's weigh it out. He's like the Buddha of the trio. He really is. He's always calm, um, very insightful, never poo-poos any of our ideas, but he'll always be that voice of reason to make sure that we're putting some thought behind things. Jamie is our scaredy cat. She's the one that gets very like, ah, what, what's going to happen if we do this? So <laughs> it's a, it's a, a cumulative effort. So what we've been really good at is balancing our strengths and weaknesses. So you don't have to go at it alone. If you know who you are, you know, by doing that deep dive into who you are, what you're good at and what you're not good at, find the people that are good at the shit you're not good at and build a team. Don't let it stop you. That's called being scrappy. If you, if you know there's areas of, of weakness, fill those voids with a great partnership. That's really important, I think, because at some point you're going to have to rely on someone else. Um, I know that in writing and storytelling, there comes a point where I've read something enough times that I can't see where the mistakes are clearly because I've, yeah. I've you know, I'm almost like forest for the trees. I'm just too close. But if I can yep. turn to somebody I trust and rely on and say, you know what? I'm not sure what I'm missing, but I need an extra pair of eyes to do that. It's been invaluable, whether I'm submitting something or putting something out there for public consumption, but I've just been looking at it too long. 
And that's not the only situation where you might need someone's guidance, support, or need that team member who can come in and say, you don't have to be good at this. That's why I'm here. Yep. Yep. And it's so important for us to stay in our lanes. You know, it's it's really a, a contributing factor to how we've been able to grow this business is we stay in our lanes. You know, we we try really hard not to go into territories that are, you know, not what we're great at. Um, it's a bit of letting go of control for sure. You know, you want to have your hands in, in everything. Um, but over time, we've really been able to develop our roles and take ownership of those roles while still uh, collaborating um, to make sure that we have the best possible outcome for whatever that situation or scenario might be. Yeah, that's an amazing degree of trust that you have to have and place in the people that you're asking to do these things that you want to control so much or have as much of a hand in as possible. Sort of, you know, that that knowledge that sometimes you've experienced that the only time something's going to get done if you're the one who's doing it uh, or that'll get done the way you want it. And that mm-hmm. if you're if you're honest with the people that are on your team, if you're sharing your vision and you trust them enough to take on that responsibility, then you have to trust them enough to walk away, to yes. know that they're going to be there with what you want when you both agreed on it and that that gives you the opportunity to put your best efforts, your strengths into your part of the project, right? Because you've still got other stuff to do. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, Christina, I have absolutely loved hearing your story, learning more about it, following its progression as we've, you know, talked about the beginnings, uh, so many of the great elements. I, I hope that everyone who heard about how they can contact you on the blog through the Facebook group, contact you through an email, whether it's to share a story, inquire about being a bunny, offer a service they might have that beautiful disaster could use, take advantage of, or, you know, keep in mind for the future. With all of that in mind, I I know that my part of the experience has been wonderful and I feel like I, I've gleaned so much from you. Is there a last message you want to share before we kind of wrap up today's discussion and and uh, bring this story to a close. Is there anything left that hasn't come mm-hmm. up that you would like to make sure or that there's a note you would like to to leave us with as, as sort of the final message or last statement of our conversation with Beautiful Disaster today? Yeah, sure. You know, um, you know, for anybody that's listening to this and you've connected with, you know, the core or the mission of the Beautiful Disaster brand. I just want to say to you that you owe nothing to nobody, especially your naysayers, you know, the ones that don't understand and they can't understand. Your story is your story. The struggles, the triumphs, the blood, the sweat, the tears. And we are happy to offer a way to wear it proudly on your sleeve. And we would just love and be honored for any of you to, you know, join the Beautiful Disaster Tribe to follow along on our journey, to share your story if you feel called to do so, and to support our brand by the clothing and accessories that we offer at bdrocks.com. So if you felt connected, we would love to have you in this tribe. That's awesome. And just for a, a last possibility to keep in mind, 
you know, we've mentioned a few channels. Are there any other social media channels you would like to let people know that you're on that they can find you at? We've already mentioned Facebook and email and the website and the blog, but uh, are there others where they can make contact with you, whether it's Instagram or Twitter or, uh, you know, a few that you want to make sure you include today? We're in all the places, Seth. So, yes, okay. Instagram, <laughs> Instagram, Beautiful Disaster Clothing. Twitter is BD Rocks. I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me under Christina Duvarney, D-U-V-A-R-N-E-Y. Um, there's articles out there. You can read about us. We're, we're, we're in all the places. Wonderful. Well, as you have just heard, not only the story of Beautiful Disaster, ways you can contact with Christina, the mission she has that she's welcome to share and looking to share with you when you reach out to her. But there you have it. All the social media platforms out there are available. Look for her. Look for a beautiful disaster. Go to bdrocks.com where you can find probably all of these links and not try and figure out, you know, how it was we said them or uh, yes. <laughs> if you wrote it's them all, down correctly. It's all there. We're on YouTube. So yeah, at bdrocks.com, kind of down at the bottom, you can just in one click find all those places. That's awesome. And with that, Christina, I just want to say thank you for a wonderful conversation, for sharing uh, a really great story and for giving a lot of really great gems of inspiration and insight for anyone who's listening today that could need one, both or any of the other elements that we've had a chance to cover today. Thank you so much. Seth, thank you for having me on your show and thank you for doing your part, your part in being a storyteller as well. You know, we our missions are not that far apart from each other. You want to share stories in hopes of impacting other people's lives. And that's pretty much what we do, too. So it was an honor to be a part of your show. Uh, thank you. I, I love the synchronicity and I love the fact that we were able to collaborate today together. And that's going to go ahead and bring our conversation to a close. So to everyone out there listening, thank you so much. You know all the ways to find me. I list them at the end when I do that little tag on. And more importantly, you have all the great ways to reach out, contact Beautiful Disaster, and share your story with theirs. That's going to do it for us today. This has been episode number 67 of Storytelling with Seth. I'd like to thank Christina once again for taking the time to share her story, the journey, the mission, and the evolution of Beautiful Disaster of which she is now the leader of a tribe, leaving behind a legacy. All of her great examples and insights as an entrepreneur and the lessons she's learned and was so generous to share. If you have a story you believe should appear on Storytelling with Seth, whether it's your own or someone else's, please feel free to contact me. You can find me on Instagram as Seth the Writer, my website, Seth Singleton Storyteller, also the name of my Facebook page, as well as on Twitter as One More Singleton. Please let me know the story you want to share, or if you have comments, thoughts, opinions about any of the stories you've heard here on Storytelling with Seth. I love to hear them, I love to connect and engage, and those are all the best ways to do it. Until next time, I look forward to sharing another story with you, and I believe we will share it soon.